You're listening to a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. We are the Elsers. Welcome to Elsner's a production of Galactic Network. I'm Gregor Sprague, and joining me is my co-host, the inimitable, the one and only Corey Scott. Corey, how are you doing, sir? What does inevitable mean? Is that like abominable? Am yes. I going to melt? I feel like I'm melting. Well, well you, you have your fan blowing to get the nice you know, music video hair going on there. It's so. struggling. It's struggling <laughs> to, to blow me, as you do. So, yes, as, as one does. So, real quick before we get into the show, for all info on this show, including show notes and subscription links, you can go to elsnerds.com. And for other Galactic Networks programs, go to gncasts.com. And as a warning on Elsnerds, we tend to shoot our mouths off without thinking, so we will both spoil things and swear liberally. You have been warned. Or you heard our opener, and now you know for yourself. (laughs) Yes. So, Corey, how was your week? Or your two weeks? I missed you last week. It's been uh well it, we last weekend was miserably hot like the, I think the hottest record days for San Francisco Bay Area and around surrounding um I had a friend who went to the city to watch the baseball games and at nine o'clock at night in San Francisco it was ninety degrees um, what the fuck yeah it, it's insane and uh, this weekend was supposed to be better. And then kind of snuck up on us and hit the 100 degree mark again. So I kind of just hate everybody right now, you know. Nice. But on the other hand, I don't have 115 mile per hour winds blowing down my house. Yeah. So no. there is that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's one of those things. Like I always remember, like two three years ago, looking at like I'd I'd have like San Francisco weather on my on my phone just to compare, you know, between there and here. And I'm like. You know, it'd be so much cooler over there because where I would still wear shorts because I am that asshole who will wear shorts in like 50 degree weather. Oh, yeah. Um, We're from Michigan. We always do that. Yeah, exactly. I'm wearing shorts right now, actually. I wear shorts <laughs> in a snowstorm and I wear a trench coat in the summer heat. <laughs> Yo. And it's one of those where I'm like, you know, it'd be perfect. That's like the perfect weather. I wouldn't be sweating balls all the time like I am here. And now it's like, I'm fine here. I'm not sweating balls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's supposed to be more mild for the rest of this week but again it, today was supposed to be in the low 80s and it actually hit 97 for no good reason yeah. no good reason and then there's there's sprinkling kind of pretending come from the sky so uh here on this segment of Corey's, what's this bullshit <laughs> california doesn't know how to fucking rain to shut itself up from being so fucking hot could yeah. you almost say that's just like like whales just in the ocean just going and just it's just seawater splashing up on the, the coast that's all that it's is a cow and it's back giving itself a shower but no it's great it's great it's great to see that you are well not that you are miserably hot but that you are here and and yeah, all that it's, and, it's it's more of a pick your own miserably miserable for me it, it's like yeah. oh, what's Corey gonna be pissed off about this week i don't know fucking zach snyder doing anything no all right and then, and then I'll, I'll, I'll adjust <laughs> Okay, who had, Corey, who had Corey bitching about the weather? They win the pool this week. Mm, weather, <laughs> podcasting. <laughs> All right, well, I've been good myself. I mean, I did the show last week by my, or like solo, well, with non-on-air co-host for that week, Growly Bear, because he was in, in there because I did it 
like during the middle of the day or something and that was fun and yeah things have sort of evolved for the other projects that i am doing now or will be doing in the future so i just want to i just want to say you've been doing this show solo for like the last four years this has all been some fucked up fight club kind of thing or, or like the first two, two episodes of the tick or like the first yeah. that's all i was <laughs> where i'm like wait please tell me do you see this man right here <laughs> well yeah and it was great because they started and we we've been watching the tick but they start playing the song from fight club through kazoos or yeah. something as arthur's kind of like coming to the realization of like the tick can't be real he's not real so no one else sees him that you don't see this guy yeah i do oh <laughs> And I'm, I'm sitting there and putting my mom, like, they're doing the fight club thing. They're doing the fight club thing. She didn't give a shit. <laughs> the Pixies. Thank you, Evan. I don't know why that wasn't hitting me. Because we didn't have sticks. Get it, Pixie Sticks. Sticks ah. is a completely different band. Well, that's Paradise Theater. I, yeah. All right. So I'm going to get into the news before we go down any other horrible, horrible jokes. And we're going to start off with a horrible, horrible joke. joke. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Well, sorry. I, I should probably give you the facts before I give you my opinion. Uh, Disney CEO Bob Iger says Marvel and Star Wars movies will be on the streaming service. So Disney announced that in, I believe, 2018 is going to start. They will do their own HBO Now, HBO Go type app with ESPN. So all their sports that they pay for right this moment will be available no with no cable subscription required like it is currently. And they are also working on one branded for the rest of the Disney stuff. And at first there were reports saying, oh, well, Marvel and and Star Wars aren't going to be affected by this deal. Now it looks like Bob Iger and Disney are taking their toys home and playing with them in the corner, much like the analogy I used for Apple. Well, can because, we first of all say big props for doing something that cable fucking couldn't, which is separating ESPN from the rest of your bullshit? Because uh, yeah. if, you're, if you're a sports fan, I am not. But if you're a sports fan... It makes sense that you then subscribe to ESPN and and the big pull for a lot of people of not being able to be cord cutters is that they need their sports. They need access to this. And it's not all ESPN because sometimes it's your local channels, your local affiliates are the ones that play those things. And they're always like, well, you can get an antenna. Fuck like an antenna works anymore. But maybe, you know, you could be the, the one. You could be that lucky guy. And there are services that are giving you local channels. Uh, YouTube does it in certain sectors so far, and I'm sure that they're going to try to expand that out. And more and more that'll happen. But absolutely, if you're the sports fanatic, cable has been something that you kind of had to have. Cable, satellite, or whatever. And this is finally a separation of that, of like, no, you don't really need to. Flip side of it is, if you are like me and you don't like sports at all, I've had to have ESPN and pay for ESPN as part of my cable package as far back as I can remember without any choice in the matter. It's like, well, I just want to get these other channels. I don't watch a single sports channel. Well, no, you got to. You got to have it. Uh, And every once in a while, you just have to put it on in the background and just fucking watch the the fucking strongman championships or something or bowling if that's on like ESPN 9 uh, and and just pretend just just fake it just for a little bit man just, just earn the testosterone what little we give you whatever you can pump out yeah so the other interesting part in this is that back in August uh Disney had a or said that it had acquired a large stake in Major League Baseball's uh streaming technology business Bamtech this is the 
company, I believe the NHL Network uses this. Um, MLB obviously uses it for their... But I was really the confused. WWE. I thought BamTech was uh, Bam Majera's uh, Geek Squad, <laughs> where he shows up in your house and just beats the fuck out of your Windows XP machine with a baseball bat and then uh, throws it as dad. Exactly. Yeah, I, I was a little worried worried about how you were going to go with that because I know two of the people that were in were in his crew have passed away, and stuff like that. I'm like, uh, and I'm like, I'm trying to remember which two it were. It was that had passed. I'm like, don't make the joke. Don't make. The I joke. assume both of them were Pam Majera, but whatever. <laughs> no, it was uh, Don Vito and uh, or so his uncle Don Vito, and then uh, Ryan Dunn, I believe, were the two. But no, and then the other side of things because this with the Bam Tech backbone is the fact that the WWE Network uses this for their backbone, for their, you know, growing library of stuff here. So my hope is because they bought a 33% stake for a billion dollars. My hope is that this improves it severely because you better believe for the playoff games or any big sporting event, this will, the BamTech servers will crash if they get the, even remotely close to the views that they are expecting to be getting by rolling this out their own in the fall or in the spring of next year. Yeah, maybe. Here's the thing is we're talking about right now the most successful producer of, of movie content out there. And Disney's been no slouch for a good number of years. They, they seem to, I think those guys are going to be okay financially. We're a few years into streaming services. We're a few years into the the services that like are the big ones with your your Netflix and your Hulu and then the everybody gets a streaming channel on Roku kind of thing it we've seen the the highs and the lows and we've seen the new upstarts come out and struggle for a little bit and then either make it or not make it peace so i feel like at this point in time there's kind of a playbook that exists that disney has already looked at and knows what they're they're getting into to make this happen. Something like CBS's online service that they're pushing right now. I could see CBS still struggling, even though they're they're Paramount. They're they're a bunch of different stuff. Disney, I have just this weird feeling that they're not going to hit those bumps in the same ways, even though they are going to expect a lot of people. I think they're going to be prepared for it. I think they're going to rest on the right servers. They're going to know who to be in business with to make this stuff happen. And they're not going to have to fight as hard with cable companies like Netflix has because uh, all that groundwork has already been laid at this point and because they've got the most clout. It's like, yeah, we're going to pull all of our stuff to our own service, but if you want to play Marvel movies all fucking weekend long, every fucking weekend, like you do on TNT and TBS and whatever else and FX, then eat the mouse's balls because that's kind of what you have to do you, you yeah. want to keep us happy at this point. Otherwise, we can seriously fuck your shit up because we're a company that can buy Apple. Uh, we're a company that can buy Google. And in any case like that, we could easily buy and create our own ISP company or just yeah, take over ISP company that's already out there, rebrand it as our own thing and be your direct competitor and undercut the fuck out of you because we no. have our own content that everybody wants. See, you're hitting at the other side of what I'm hitting at. With me, with the the whole the BamTech part of it, which I didn't realize until looking in the article, I'm like, oh, hey, they did that. I think I'm on week four, so I think I've used for the year my wrestling talk. But with the WWE Network, the, one of the biggest things is, you know, you can watch the pay-per-views for $9 a month. That is why I have, you know, I am still a subscriber is because, you know, when they were doing two pay-per-views a month, I'm basically watching 
$140 pay-per-views for $10 in, in one month because they were doing two, two in a row. You get to a big uh, pay-per-view like WrestleMania where you've got around the world, uh, you know, millions and billions of people watching it. I can never, I can never watch it live. It's always, I have to go back 30 seconds, sometimes back a minute or two. Disney and ESPN are now in that same category. So it's, it's one thing to, for, you know, like Netflix where there, there might be people watching the same thing at the same time, but it's not like you turn to Netflix and here's the Death Note movie or here's BoJack Horseman season four, episode three. You get to that, especially with a live event, like, you know, like, like the X Games or, you know, if they get a deal with for a Super Bowl, which I don't think would happen, but, you know, let's just say that it does. Or they do a co-brand thing when it's on ABC for the Super Bowl to get all those people who can't get ABC on their local antennas or local, you know, networks. Oh, the stream's down. So now you've got, and, and you got, you know, the people who are throwing Super Bowl parties and they got these big screen TVs and they got the one guy because they're, that TV's not working who's watching the highlights on his phone, who's watching people do it Snapchatting from the from way up in the nosebleed seats that's going to be a killer part and then either not necessarily ending but you know backing off of this of this whole thing is that live side of it i i still kind of feel like with the example of the wwe thing i don't know how much they really emphasize watching the stuff live on their service when they're still selling the pay-per-views for 50 bucks a pop. Oh, they, they do all the time. They, I'm sure they, they try to sell you on it to like, Oh yeah, subscribe to our service, but suck it up when we can't give you really great service. When we're doing the live event that you should otherwise go pay 50 bucks for, uh, you can can watch it later. Honestly, they just do the pay-per-views because of old deals. Right. Like the, it's actually the pay-per-view, you know, pays 70 bucks. But those old they deals are making 50 bucks in a shot when their service yeah. is $10 a month. I feel like they're not in a hurry to make it better when yeah. they still have this other income stream. And to say, oh, yeah, well, the other the other way is going to make us more money. Now, they're not making the entirety of the 50 bucks in that case, obviously. But it's still, it's not like they're losing cash on it either. And again, it, not the clout that Disney has. I, I know WWE is very popular and very big. But it's not Disney. And and no. and that's the thing is like when you when you talk about powerhouses, you're talking about specific companies. Amazon's a powerhouse. Google is a powerhouse. Apple's a powerhouse. Disney is a powerhouse. These are the companies that kind of if they weren't really trying too hard, could still wind up running the world and maybe sort of do. Yeah. Uh, and, that's, and that's, that's exactly what I'm getting at is because yeah. they're a powerhouse. If this were to happen, you know, where they have an event that will be seen by millions of people. I'm trying to rack my brain to figure out what that would be because, you know, everything that I know of sports wise, there are deals with other things like uh major league baseball, the world series that's on Fox. So it's like, if they were to get that deal from Fox and they're airing, you know, it's game seven, it's, you know, of the world series and their streams go down because of BAM tech, not necessarily because of Disney, but because of a company that they oh, bought yeah. 33% of. That's the problem. That's the weak link in this whole thing is that little company because I agree with you. Disney is a powerhouse, which means Disney has to have top tier stuff. The expectations for them is so high. I just don't know that they're going to invest that much effort into BAMTech right off the bat. Like I or if they're going to put that much pressure on BAMTech itself alone. It's kind of like 
Apple makes its own hardware and everything, but Google has their phones made by a bunch of different companies. Mm -hmm. And even when they've purchased companies, like when they bought Motorola before, and possibly if they are seriously considering buying HTC right now, I still don't think that they're not going to have working relationships with other manufacturers because they know that it's better to go wide than it is to rely on one thing, even if it's something that you control yourself until you're sure, until you're absolutely positive, you know. Google puts out a couple of phones with HTC and it's all under Google's branding and they become big successes and they start competing with Samsung uh, as the premier Android phone. And then they can kind of pull clout. But I think in the in the beginning, they're not going to push that hard on unsure things. But yeah. but who knows? The bigger question is really, this says that they're going to move Star Wars and, and Marvel films over to the Disney streaming service, do we think that they're going to take them away from the services that they're on? We are seeing a little bit of contracts running out of like the, the Marvel movies are going to finish on Netflix. I just don't know that, again, it's going to be, you're only going to find them here. It's always it's always a crapshoot when you start something like this, especially when it's all your yeah. own stuff. The reason why Netflix is compelling, as good as Netflix's original content is, I don't know if I would subscribe to Netflix at least not continuously, just for their content. And the reason I haven't subscribed to something like Hulu is because their content isn't really interesting to me yet. We'll see how Runaways goes and, and everything else is stuff that I pay cable for. The reason I subscribe to cable is because there is a wealth of content from different things and you never know what's going to be the stuff that attracts your attention at that point in time. I agree with you on that. I think Disney could because, you know, again, they are the juggernaut here that they are they could take their stuff and go it would be one of the most compelling services to have but at the same time would i subscribe to it i don't think i would because a lot of the movies i'm going to see in theaters i'm going to buy physically so it's like unless they just go we're not gonna release them on blu-ray on 4k or whatever then i probably will not subscribe to the service yeah, the, the thing that I'm waiting for, the, the big shoe that I'm waiting to drop, uh, not looking forward to, but that I just at some point You're have to expect that somebody's going to do it, is when someone pulls their channels and their content and everything off of cable and satellite providers. When somebody says, okay, at this point, we're you're only going to see our stuff through our own streaming content and you're not going to see any of you're not going to have a Disney channel and you're not going to have a, a tune Disney and you're not going to have ABC and you're not going to have Freeform. All that stuff is going to go and it's going to be strictly our house. And that's the play. That would be a giant thing to lose for for cable companies and, and TV companies in general. And and I don't know what the what the upside to that would be for Disney, because obviously you're losing advertisers unless you start having advertisers your own stuff and people are not going to love paying for a subscription to something. But we already do with cable. You know, we, we already do. We're used to having advertisements in the middle of our Disney stuff. We're used to having advertisements on broadcast TV in the middle of our films from these companies. But at some point that's going to happen. And I know that CBS is trying that right now with the, the we're going to play the premiere of Star Trek on our channel, and then we're going to push you over to our streaming service. We're going to play some Big Brother stuff here, and then we're going to put some Big Brother stuff on our, our streaming service. But it's no one's really got the balls to do that yet. The only company I could see at the moment that could would be Disney. HBO, Evan is saying in the, in the, in the producer room, I see it, except I don't really think HBO has enough clout on their own. HBO is a big pull for 
the companies that that own them and and i know that people are talking about buying the company that owns hbo which is warner brothers right at this point that owns which one uh that owns hbo time warner i thought somebody was talking about buying warner brother time warner right yeah. so warner brothers they're talking about buying time warner because time warner owns hbo and they want to get hbo i think verizon was talking about it and hbo again very beloved has has a lot of content but at the end of the day it's a couple of shows that are the absolute must-haves, and the rest of it is content that comes from somewhere else. And I just don't know that them pulling off of cable is going to benefit them when they're they're kind of like the crown jewel of cable. So taking that away, and then you're just like a sparkly rock on your own. I don't know if that if that's going to sell as well. Here is the power that Disney would have in pulling their stuff, all their TV channels, from cable. They own Disney Channel and all the subsidiaries there. So Disney, Disney XD, stuff like that. ESPN and all 50 of their channels. Freeform, which you you, you, you have you said. And then the ABC channel, you know, the ABC, you know, the affiliates and stuff. But also the A&E network yeah. and all that, which is something that a lot of people don't necessarily think of. So you're losing A&E, Crime and, Crime and Investigation Network, FYI. So, Corey, there goes all your tiny house shows. History Channel, Military History. Lifetime, Lifetime Movie Networks, Lifetime Real Women, Blaze, Viceland, Bio. Lifetime is where also, I'm going. Well, not Lifetime. Uh, Hallmark Mystery is where I'm going for Monk re- reruns right now. And it, so it's one of those that you look at that and you're, it's like, okay, this sort of makes, you know, th- they do have the power here to do this. I think if any company were to be the people the people to start their own show or start their own streaming service and be successful just with their stuff i think it would be disney i do think they would have an uphill battle just because you know people are used to this because like google figured out but then dropped the ball on is the other part of it is providing a way for people to get this stuff the the thing that cable and satellite has is that it's not the content it's the way that the content gets to you. When I have a cable box and that cable coming into my wall, there's a guarantee that I'm going to, for the most part, you know, obviously cable goes out sometimes, satellite has weather problems or whatever, but there's there's pretty much a guarantee that I'm always going to have access to this content. There's always going to be something on my TV to watch. And, you know, since they've taken over the lion's share of ISP services, that the streaming stuff that I want from Netflix, which I can now watch in my cable box, streaming stuff from Hulu, streaming stuff from this Disney thing or or HBO Go or whatever, still relies on an ISP company that is normally the cable company. So Google doing stuff with their Google Fiber for a while was smart because it eliminated that in between. If Google wanted to create their own content and, and not just like slap shit on YouTube and then let some little fucking bastard drop n words and everything and not cut them off from advertising oh i'm sorry fuck you pewdiepie but if if they wanted to make some actual real content and they wanted to get into the content marketing stuff first of all i fucking hate that because i hate the mix of these things but yeah that's why you need to have an isp service and and really their their reasoning is because well everybody should have internet access and then everybody should see google ads and and use use us but if Disney was suddenly to say, yeah, we're going to give you an ISP service or we're going to create an ISP service so that you'll never not be able to get to our content, because that's the way that you scare cable and, and everybody else is one, we're going to take our content away from you. And two, we're not going to need to rely on you for anything as far as getting that content to people, you know, just every single block out of it. The other companies that kind of have a lot of channels are Turner Broadcasting and Viacom. 
you know, those are the big staples of your, your cable services are those three things. And then everything else is kind of like, you know, the little hits and misses here and there. Those are the building blocks for the entire industry, except again, it relies on, well, how do I get this stuff if that went away? And that's the question. So it's still great, busy. You want to pull your stuff over to your, your own channel beautiful but unless you have a way to promise that i'm going to get it and it's going to you know be as fast and seamless as what cable has been it's still gonna be a hard sell for a lot of people and there's a lot of people who don't even have access to high-speed internet at all with cable companies in their area so who's gonna solve that and that's why it falls to a company who's looking at it like facebook does and and facebook's like we want to get everybody on facebook and we're gonna start creating our own content we're gonna have video streaming and stuff like that but they're thinking the big game not just the i'm gonna take my toys over here and you know you guys are gonna have to follow if you want to play with my stuff now facebook's like we're gonna give you access to the toy box but we're gonna build you a whole fucking playpen around it that you will also be able to get to it yes unfortunately you're locked inside and everything smells like rotting diapers but you know, whatever. Middle so school. I will say, when to hit on real quick before, and I'm gonna move us on. You reminded me of a corn music video. The um, I I can't remember which song it was, but when you were talking about the big three network owning people, you know, Disney, Viacom, and Turner. That's one of the things that's in a corn music video. I I cannot remember which song it's for. And I'm like, oh hey yeah, I remember that part from the music video where it's like, ninety percent of all TV channels are owned by three companies. Also, I, I am a song going to leave. <laughs> Not that one. That one's the bullet video. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, Y'all Want a Single is the name of the the one that beat was put out. That's what I'm thinking was, but I couldn't think of the title if that isn't the title. But anyways, I'm going to move on because we're going to stay in the House of Mouse, but we're going to go into the Marvel side of things with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And uh, we're getting a familiar face coming back in uh, Season 5, and that is Nick Blood. Um, he will be coming back as former S.H.I.E.L.D. agent Lance Hunter. He was in here, you know, for season two, which it seems like it wasn't that long ago, but it was when he came in with Bobby Morse with Mockingbird, a played by Adrian Palicki. And then they left in season three to go start the uh, spinoff Most Wanted, which ABC passed on. This I honestly think this is a really cool thing because I like the Lance Hunter character that he plays. I liked Lance Hunter. OK, I was far more into Bobby Morse, I think. Bobby Morse as a character, obviously coming from the comics, very interesting. She was played very, very well by Adrienne Palicki. I think she was that one thought of like, wow, if they're going to actually have something go from the TV show to the movies, Mockingbird could be it. Uh, And this actress could be it because she's done movies. She's done. She was in the the second G.I. Joe one, the G.I. Joe one that didn't suck as bad as the first one, obviously. (laughs) But she's been in a lot of stuff, and 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 yeah. she's a she's a very talented actress in her own right. But she's got, in my views, she's got a movie star quality. But on top of it, it was just like Hunter wasn't somebody that was from the comics, wasn't somebody who had a relationship with Bobby in the comics. So it was an introduction of character, and then they they utilized this character that they made up to to bring in the Bobby Morse character and and give the drama that we'd normally have between her and Clint Barton, yeah. for instance, which is not bad, which is not bad at all. And I don't I don't no. want to. Take away from the actor, from Nick Blood, because he was fine. He was absolutely fine. He came in and it, it it bummed me out because when he came in, we had briefly Lucy Lawless on the show 
And I was so excited to have her on the program. And then they immediately get rid of her. And I was just like, well, why are we getting rid of her to get this motherfucker? And on top of that, we right around the time that he was introduced, we lost Trip, who was another one of my favorite characters on the show. And we lost him in a really lame way. But speaking of that, last season, we got Trip back. We got Ward back after just finally fucking getting rid of Ward and something that looked like Ward and wasn't Ward and fucking Ward all over the place. So I'm not terribly like impressed or surprised that the actor could come back even though he was supposed to be exited from the show in a way that he was not allowed to return because that's kind of what this does is it brings in ways of changing that and it is a show that expectations like the storylines can change on a dime i'm okay with it i'm perfectly okay with it i agree with that wholeheartedly and i will talk more about that in the else the else views you know because i did see orville and so i and i'm going to be talking about that but like, cause this, when he came in, he was his TV show that was in England, Babylon had just aired or was wrapping up when he came in. And so this was one of those where I'm like, where I got, I don't want to say giddy, but I was sitting there going, okay, this guy's really good. Like if you can at all watch this show over here, you'll see why I'm excited for him and why it's okay that Lucy Lawless, she got her character got killed off in the show. Plus she also, she then went to um, Ash versus evil dead. And so, you know, I think, you know, I think she's doing okay. She's doing fine, <laughs> you know, and she's Lucy Lawless. Yeah. It's 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 no loss for her, but it it was a show that I was watching, and all of a sudden they brought in this actress that I really really like, and who yeah. did a very good job in the the time she was there, as you would expect she would, and I was just kind of bummed out to see her go. There's there's an Agents of Shield super crew that I have kind of built in my head based off of things that have happened on the show, and unfortunately. Most of the super crew isn't the main characters from the show at this point. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so, yeah, that was just one that, you know, we got pointed out to us and I'm figuring, hey, let's talk about it a little bit and give it some news. And we have the next bit of news is that DC has found its director for Suicide Squad 2. And that will be the guy who directed uh, most recently the accountant for Warner Brothers and is working on a sequel with Ben Affleck for this Gavin O'Connor. Yeah, working um, with Ben Affleck has got to be a real scary thing these days. Because every time Ben Affleck is working on something lately, it's like, oh, uh, that didn't get completed. Oh, Ben, it doesn't. He might not be being that dude anymore. He might not. I was going to write the script. Oh, no, I'm not going to write the script. Oh, I was going to direct. No, I'm not going to direct. No, I'm not. Fucking Affleck is just back and forth like crazy. Shouldn't they get the director of whoever did the trailers for the original Suicide Squad? Because that was the movie that I wanted to fucking see. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So basically what you're saying is hire intern at marketing firm A to direct Suicide Squad 2. It's going to be I'm three minutes I'm saying I was sold a bill of goods and then given a movie oh, no, that I get what was, was, I get was what you're a saying. bill of bads. Well, yeah, Corey, they're villains. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so this comes after David Ayer, who wrote and directed the original movie, stepped aside to focus on Gotham City Sirens, one of the, what? five i believe dc spinoff movies built around harley quinn he came in pitched his version of the movie and he and he's also going to write the movie with his uh, scripting partner anthony Tam, uh, tambacus i i honestly feel like this is gonna be good i mean i haven't seen the accountant the accountant looked really good from seeing the trailers it's just i haven't found it in like you know on the streaming services to go all right you know watch this sit down watch it oh my gosh that was amazing sort of deal yeah it's been playing on hbo i haven't sat down to watch it either but i i've heard reasonable things about it i heard it's almost as good as Geely. 
Oh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Here's the thing with the Warner Brother announcements, though. I don't believe that any fucking movie is getting made until it's actually out at this point because they are just announcing so many different things and they still haven't been able to get a fucking director and script nailed down for The Flash yet. And that's one of the first things that they announced. And we know the actor and we yeah. know people that have been like pulled into these films and then aren't showing up now because they just can't get their shit together. And so naming, like you said, five different spinoffs for Harley Quinn and a, uh, a fake Joker movie that's not in continuity and all this fucking bullshit about Flashpoint and every other fucking Elseworld thing that they're saying they're going to do now. Fuck you, DC. Fuck you up your ass. I don't believe you can make a goddamn movie. At this point in time, you lucked out with Wonder Woman. I'm going to give you some props. I'm going to say that Wonder Woman probably worked in spite of your fuckery, but I don't think for one second that you can make an actual play in this goddamn cinematic universe that you've been promising for the last five years. You haven't done it yet. You haven't fucking done it yet. Lucky Once is not a fucking success. It is a fucking stab into the dark that it fucking landed on a vital point, but that's it. No one fucking looks at the Justice League who didn't already have their balls in their hands about Justice League before and thinks it's actually improved. We keep hoping. We keep praying you're going to somehow work it out. But I don't fucking believe you because this bullshit fucking release of like, just like, let's keep talking about DC. Let's keep talking about DC. Here's a fucking Batgirl movie. Where? Oh, I don't fucking see it. No, believe me, it's coming. It's coming right up. No, fuck you. Fuck your fucking bullshit. Just make a goddamn second good movie. And I know we're going to get to the story in a second, but until I see that even fucking happen, I don't believe it. No, you're, you're on you're on a great point. And this is something that, this is what I've been saying for a while. You know, they're trying to play catch up to Marvel. Marvel announced, you know, I, I, I forget who did it first, but Marvel announced this big slate of movies and then DC did. I think I think it was Marvel then DC, or it, it could be the other way around. And it's like it was one of those. Here's our where, next ten years of films. We've got them all planned yeah. out, and it's like here's Aquaman, yeah. and here's Flash, and here's Cyborg. What the fuck, Cyborg? Really? Okay, yeah. all right, maybe, maybe you know, fucking and, sell me on Cyborg. <laughs> no one's selling anybody on Cyborg. And 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 don't get me wrong, Marvel has switched things up numerous times, but absolutely. It was, it was always for the benefit. It was, oh, this movie that we thought, okay, you know, it, it would have better, you know, bigger things for, you know, Avengers Infinity War turned out to be really good. So let's give them a sequel, you know, because that makes logical sense. Not, oh, this works. So we're going to do 20 more movies in this with this group of people like DC is doing. No, I mean, I don't even want to make the Marvel comparison because it, no, it's, Marvel... it's, it's not fair. I, I enjoy Marvel. You enjoy Marvel, but Marvel fucks up too. I mean, you, you can't yeah. you can't look at what Ant Man is without wishing that we had gotten what Ant Man was. Yes, you know, and 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 that's and I I take nothing away from the guy who wanted to make the movie. He did a very good job, and he was very respectful of of what was planned and kept a lot of that in. But I know I'm wearing a goddamn Scott Pilgrim like playoff shirt with uh, Batman and Robin on it and all the villains. Because Scott Pilgrim was really good. Um, yes. That's, a, that's an aside. But my problem is not DC trying to be Marvel. My problem is DC trying to be anything because they don't know what they are. 
they are not on message. They have no idea what their vision is. There is no clarity in what they're doing. Right now, DC is fucking vaporware. Remember the Phantom system? Remember the system that was supposed to be coming out? This video game system is going to run PC games, but it was a console. And they talked about every year and every year, like, where are we going to see one? It, it, fucking E3 is right now. Where's this fucking bullshit machine? You keep promising us. That is what DC is right now. They are just like, Please keep talking about us. Please keep us in your hearts and minds and prayers. Fucking have a vigil for DC movies right now because we need you to believe in us. Clap your hands. Clap your hands if you believe in DC. That's the only way we're going to live. No, fuck you. Fuck you. Fucking deliver. There's no reason why you as a company with the fucking characters that you have and the fucking back ass fucking catalog that you have of shit to pull from of stories and the fucking directors and the fucking actors and fucking writers and everything else that you should have at your fucking beck and call there are people who are dying there are people who would just cut parts of themselves off and hand it to you like fucking oliver in the fucking twist novels and just they would do anything to be working for you and you keep going to the same fucking stupid ass well over and over again and you're like hey you know let's see if fucking scorsese can make a goddamn joker movie scorsese doesn't give a shit about the joker scorsese's gonna make a fucking scorsese movie and he'll put fucking makeup on the dude you know how well that works fucking damaged is how that fucking works <laughs> get a fucking clue about your properties and make some good goddamn movies you used to know how you don't know how anymore you fucking shoemockered yourself into a fucking corner and even that was at least one man's vision of something it sucked but it fucking made sense into who he was in the films he wanted to fucking make you don't know how to make goddamn films with fucking directors and fucking writers i have a question for you Yes. Uh, that will at hopefully end that rant. And actually, my but, blood pressure is really good. No, okay, that's great to know. But because the one thing that I've always given DC credit for, and I haven't seen Batman and Harley or Batman and Harley Quinn yet, but the DC animated movies have been have a better track record. Up until they decided that every female character's motivation had to be to fuck a hero in him. True, true. But you you put that aside. They still have a better track record of making movies because their expectations are low, and because for the most part, they're they're basically they're retelling stories from the comics. I wish the stories they were retelling weren't pulled from the New Fifty Two so much, and they're deviating from that now because <laughs> the New Fifty Two didn't last very long. There's a unified vision that has been with the DC animated films. Now they they deviate from that sometimes, and yes. and that's the stuff that gets really kind of weird. Of like, here's here. This isn't Superman. It's Zod as Superman, and it's not Wonder Woman. It's this other person as Wonder Woman, and it's not, not Batman because he's a vampire. Uh, but whatever, you know, it it's weird. It's a little strange, and and they re reinvent Batman cartoons like every three years, and they reinvent Spider Man cartoons at Marvel every three years. We think they're better. They're not really better, but they are a little bit more consistent, and there's not the huge weight on them like there is trying to make a billion dollar film happen and i totally get that i totally understand that you are looking at someone else's books and saying we need to do what they're doing but you don't know how to do what they're doing and you shouldn't do what they're doing you should do what you do but if you don't know what you're doing with your own stuff if you don't understand your own properties and you don't hire people who understand your properties then all you're doing is diluting your brand yeah. you're damaging yourself in the long run there's going to be a time where people are not going to be willing to see these films 
because they're not consistent and because they don't work well. And it wasn't that long ago that we got shit like Catwoman, you know, and, and, and they're lucky that at the same time we were getting things like Elektra. But realistically, I would rather watch Elektra than I would Catwoman because Elektra had an idea as to who that character was. And Catwoman had no fucking idea. And they had a movie where Catwoman was like the biggest part of the film. And they couldn't go off of that and say, well, then we should take her and put her in her own movie. Now let's let's do something completely fucking different that nobody will recognize and basically ruin Halle Berry's career. I just, yeah. I can't root for them. And I'm a DC guy. I'm a long-standing DC guy. And to make me feel like I can't root for you, that's gotta say something. And I I know I'm old, crotchety, not not young and hip, and 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 with the kids and their Pac-Man, uh, and their their long hair and their Beatles albums or whatever. I, I get that, you know. So the stuff might not be for me, but I'm not seeing who it's for. Did, I'm did not seeing just, the audiences that love it. Did, okay, quick aside. Did you just describe how your parent, your grandparents, described you when you were a kid? No, I I, I describe, I I. I I'm feeling I'm feeling kind of ancient these days. Um, no, I just like I know that there are people who like these movies. Yeah, I know that there are people who really enjoy these movies, but I don't know that there is the the level of like I'm a hardcore DC movie fan out there. I, there there might be some, but I just don't think that there is that bucket of people who are just like I, I will eat up, I will lap up every ounce of this shit. Um, like there I, is I, I with the Marvel. Yeah, I know there are more for the DC animated movies than there are for the you know the DCEU, and and that's that's why I asked that question because I know there's a friend of mine at, at my work that he owns every single I, I don't think he I think he has every single DC animated movie in at least in well no because Mask of Phantasm isn't considered in the animated universe but in Blu-ray and then I I told him about the the collector set that they're going to do that's going to include uh, Batman and Harley Quinn. And he's like, oh, damn it, I'm going to have to buy that. But he did it because, you know, like, because he wants to buy it, even though he already owns every single movie in there. He wants that collector set and all that. And there are other people who are like that too, where, like, that's why I had asked, you know, couldn't we get, and they, because I know also with the animated movies, they've had the creators or people who have been doing, you know, significant runs in the comic books working on these projects. For the anim- on the animated universe side, couldn't they take at least take that page out of the book and get Greg Rucka writing, you know, a Batman, a Batman book, you know, like a Gotham Central movie? Or we were you know, we were hoping that Gotham was going to be a Gotham Central style show. Yeah, and and we got something far and away nothing like Gotham Central. Gotham has its fans. It oh, absolutely yeah. does. I don't get it. I, I certainly don't enjoy it myself. But it's it, it's it's on its fourth season as a Fox show. That's amazing. As a Fox mm-hmm. genre show, that that that's a level of success I would never have expected. I certainly agree that there's some really fantastic creators that you wonder why they're not pulling them in more. But then you see what Marvel did with the Inhumans, with the comic side trying to make the movie. When the movie people said, uh, we kind of think this isn't going to work for us. So we're just going to we're going to let this one go. Yeah. And and Perlmutter and Jeff Loeb and all of them like, well, we're going to make it and we're going to release it in theaters. How do you like them apples? Uh, nobody liked them apples. You know, as they say, one apple spoils a bunch. A lot of people are worried because they don't realize the separation of the Marvel TV side from the movie side. 
and they see that apple and they're like this might have spoiled the fucking bunch for marvel yeah so the other bit of news that we have um this is actually going to wrap up the new segment that's um and we've covered this in parts before patty jenkins has closed the deal to direct the one woman sequel this is an article that should have been posted two weeks after the movie came out it is yeah. a bummer that they took so long at, at the same time how many of the sequels for these movies have had the same director if we're looking at iron man we get iron man 2 with had john favreau on both but then john favreau stepped away for iron man 3 because frankly a lot of people didn't like iron man 2 joss whedon did avengers and then did avengers 2 a lot of people had a lot of problems with avengers 2 captain america Different directors for the first one and then the second one, but that the second one had the same directors for the third one. Thor, different directors for all three so far. But here's, DC's here's, the one that's had one director for a lot of their stuff yes. and a lot of criticism over having that same director come back. So I can I can understand them being a little prepared to let's wait and really make sure. But with the level of success that Wonder Woman did achieve and, and has continued to achieve, it seems like they would have at least been prepped of like, Let's at least get her in some sort of deal and, and have something prepped for it because she yeah. she absolutely deserves it. I, I get with what you're saying because, you know, they announced the week before Man of Steel came out that Zack Snyder had signed on to do a Man of Steel sequel. We all know how that turned out. I'm not going to go down that road. According to them, we still haven't gotten the Man of Steel sequel. That That's, again, that fucking weird vision of like, but this isn't really Man of Steel 2. It's Batman v Superman. It's a totally different movie. The Man of Steel sequel is way down the line. It'll still happen someday, even okay. though we fucking killed the character recently and try not to pay attention to that, that we're selling you this fucking bullshit Superman movie that we aren't going to call a fucking Superman. Uh, but 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 no, we, we really killed the character except for the floating dirt. Oh, yeah. the fuck. But no, see, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing that I'm getting at with that. You announced the week before that Zack Snyder, that this that Man of Steel comes out, that Zack Snyder is doing the next Superman movie. Ma Batman vs. Superman would count as that. And that did okay in the box office. But at that point in time, they expected it was going to be better. Yes. You wait. You have a hit. You have a movie that is breaking records. And you wait until... The, uh, until the Blu-ray is coming out to announce that you're you're bringing the director on for the for the sequel in what no everyone vision. is in what everyone is claiming to be a no duh moment. I mean that, that again. You you are you're hitting it on the head. And now I will give them some credits. It looks like Patty Jenkins had been working you know on a script for the sequel with Jeff Johns already. So it's like they knew it. It's just they were trying to work out some fine deals or you know some of the fine uh, details of this. And one of the things I want to point out is, uh, while an exact number could not, this is a quote from Variety, uh, while an exact number could not be unveiled, sources say the number is in the $8 million range to write, direct, and produce, making her the highest paid female director of all time. But a still criminally underpaid no, yes. compared to a lot of the male directors. Now, she does not have a huge pedigree of director experience, as I understand it. I, I haven't checked up on her completely. But she doesn't have a, like a lot of movies that she directed before Wonder Woman. Yeah, I look. I look at it. I look at this in this regards. I'm going to relate this back to WWE because I one of the, one of the podcasts I watch or I listen to is the is Edge and Christian's podcast, and they were talking about the May Young Classic, the same thing that I was talking about last week on you know during the one man show, and they were talking about all these women wrestlers, and they were comparing them to male wrestlers, and they said that they don't want to do it, but 
you know, like like one of the big ones, and is one that I did myself. Uh, one of the she's one of the four horsewomen of MMA, uh, Shayna Baszler. They compare her to Brock Lesnar. I also compared her to Brock Lesnar. Why? Because there's no one else to compare her in on the women's side. The only person that would have come close is China, and she wasn't a powerhouse wrestler. Like, yeah, she was strong and she was, you know, bigger and and you know more muscular than the women who were wrestling at that time. But she wasn't set up like a destroyer like Brock Lesnar is and like Shayna Mosler is. What I'm saying to tie this back into here. This is Patty Jenkins being compared right now to the male directors. This is what this is what's going to inspire the women. Hopefully, inspire the the young women directors to come out come out with kick ass movies that are that they write, they direct, they produce themselves to where Hollywood wakes the fuck up and hires them for these movies. I think women have been have been inspired for a long, long time. I think the problem is that Hollywood still ain't woke. Even after That's, this, we're seeing yeah. Hollywood still ain't woke. Uh, it's the same thing as as women in government. It's like, that's great. Oh, good. We got a, a woman, you know, senator. We've got a woman in the House of Representatives. Oh, we've got women running for vice president. Oh, we've got women running for president. But it's still a fucking lot of old white fucking yeah. men that don't give a shit and, and just will like, pat you on your hand and say they're there good job now i'm gonna go fucking talk to scorsese about a joker movie because that's more important to me than your highly successful fucking film that you yeah. just directed miss oscar winner from 2003 who then didn't get fucking dick off for work after that now i don't know the the reasons why she didn't maybe it was her own choice and maybe the the hesitancy on hiring her was that she was figuring out what she was worth Beatmaster uh, rightly pointed out that she's getting paid from the back end of the film too and that's great but again it seems like i see those deals happen for men a lot more and those guys a lot of them have not had the degree of success on a film like she just did still i mean she didn't write the first wonder woman but she is co-writing this one uh, or writing this one. I'm not sure exactly what the deal is, but she's listed as a writer on this one. So they are giving her a lot of responsibility on the film. They're putting faith in her. That's all well and good. And again, Wonder Woman at this point in time is not representative of the DC film universe as a whole. Wonder Woman at this point in time can still be looked at as a fluke. Now, it may be a fluke just for the context of being in a DC film universe, or it may be a fluke for her, too. I don't know. I can't say. It may be that just everybody was right in that moment where we really, really need a Wonder Woman movie to succeed. But by the time the next one comes out, who knows what we'll need or what we'll want, what we'll, we'll desire to see. Because like I've said many a time, fans are fucking fickle. American fans especially are very, very fickle. And who knows how people are going to respond to Wonder Woman in the Justice League movie if the Justice League movie is the same crap as we already felt some of us felt that Batman v Superman was and Wonder Woman didn't get any of that crap on her in the first one because she was by all accounts the coolest thing in the movie but she came about with just action scenes and looking all like I'm beating the fuck ass out of everything when you guys are just like whipping your dicks out at each other you know she's like I don't need a dick I'm here to fucking whip ass and save the fucking world. And you guys can either get your shit together and help me or I'll do it my own goddamn self. That's very cool. That's a great thing to lead in on. But when you're like the shining star of a shit movie, you look great. Yeah. Then you go and you do your own movie and it's a great movie. Beautiful. 
But then you go to the next movie and it's a shit movie again. I'm not saying it's going to be, but it could be. And in this shit movie, a lot more of it rides on you again. Who knows? Who knows how excited people are going to remain for Wonder Woman at that point? I don't know. I hope that it continues to be great for her. I hope that it's the turning point for the DC film universe. I don't believe it, but I hope. We'll see. Yeah. All right. So that is going to do it for the news. And we will be right back with the else views. So if you want to support the show, we have a couple ways to do that. One, one of the ways we are working on here, possibly, but you know, there's you go to gncast.com slash support. On that page, you will find the Amazon affiliate link. You go through, you click that, you do your shopping like you normally would. You are giving us Jeff Bezos's money. It doesn't change your price. It's just, hey, that little bit that goes to Amazon, a little bit of that goes to us. I like it. The other way is through our Patreon, through monthly uh, donations from you guys. It helps us keep, you know, keep all of our stuff afloat. Keep the you, you partner with us. You're helping us to keep the lights on. You you'll have the Patreon exclusive show, I guess is now the new thing. Um, uh, Peter Fisher's applicably app review show. I don't know what the actual f- official title is. Um, which I will be a guest on in the coming months. Will or you know next month. Which edit the show by the way is sounds freaking awesome. And you want to know how you get to that? You support us at the three dollar level. That's three dollars a month. That's not three dollars an episode. That's not three dollars. You know for every show. That's a Starbucks, a small Starbucks coffee a month, and you can get this show. That is really cool. Um, you can and find we that. We won't make you poop. Yeah, a- a- exactly. And we won't make you poop. Although I cannot say say that we you you shouldn't listen to us while you poop. But hey, you you do you. You can find that over at gncasts.com slash support or patreon.com slash galactic netcasts. And we are back, and it is time for the else views. This is the part of the show where we where me and Corey will talk about the things that we have been watching. Corey has a movie. I have a TV show. Corey, let's start with your movie because I don't want to sleep tonight. <laughs> uh, weird. Okay. Um, I am on a hiatus from the other show that I do here on the network. You might have heard of it. It's called Adventure Park. No, wait, that's not me. Oh, God damn it. It's called I, I keep trying so hard to be the, to be Brad, but it's yeah, it's called Pot Save the Queen. Uh, <laughs> it's it's about the Queen of England smoking a bowl. No, uh, I, I'm on a horror podcast here on the network called Podcast of Terror. And while we are on our, our seasonal break uh, after the first hundred episodes, which are all available for you if you care to listen to them, it doesn't mean I get to completely ignore horror movies. I'm trying. I'm trying really hard not to watch a bunch of like horror films and stuff in the meanwhile. And it's difficult because I walk in the house and my wife's watching them all the time, so I have to go like duck my head in another room. But I don't always get a choice. And this past Friday, I did not get a choice. It was announced quite a while before when Stephen King's It comes out. We're going to see it opening weekend. And my wife set up getting tickets with a friend of hers from work. We went to our local theater that has the... I'm not sure that they were the D-Box seats, but they were the electronic reclining seats. And certainly there were points in time where the sound shook the seats so much that it might as well have been D-Box. I still can't hear out of my left ear all that well. We, we got together. We watched the movie on Friday night. And I've seen at least the first half of the It miniseries. I've never read the the book. I think I've said this a couple of times before. The only Stephen King stuff I've read is like totally unlike the rest of the Stephen King stuff. I've read some of The Gunslinger almost to the end, but didn't quite finish it. I read 
when I was a teenager, The Eyes of the Dragon, which everyone tells me is not like any other Stephen King book, but it does have Rental Flag and, and aspects that tie into the rest of the universe. And then I read on writing because I'd like to write and I'd like to be rich like Stephen King. Mostly because it, it's just it's a it's a pretty good book. But I, I have an understanding of what it is. And I had a background because I like I said, I'd seen the, the miniseries. This was a very, very good film. And in relation to other Stephen King films, it probably at this moment in time ranks as my favorite. And I'm and I'm a person who, like our friend Brandon from Mink Geek Studios, loves Maximum Overdrive, even though I know it's a shitty movie. I love Maximum Overdrive. I don't love The Shining because I'm not a big fan of Kubrick films. And it's really a Kubrick film more than it's a Stephen King film. I like Stand By Me a lot. And Stand By Me has a lot more in common with it than probably most other Stephen King films. Yes, there is a horror aspect to this movie, and it's certainly not something to ignore. And I saw Scott Johnson and Brian Ibbett today talking about how there were a bunch of five and six-year-olds in the theater when Scott went and saw it. And that is because sometimes people are dumb. When Aaron and I went on one of our earliest dates, we went to see the South Park movie and there were a bunch of kids in the South Park movie. I'm like, this is not good. This is not the right thing to bring your kids to. It is also not the right thing to bring your kids to. But let's be clear about it. It is a coming of age story. It is about a group of kids, much like the Sandlot. If the Sandlot (laughs) also included some, you know, ancestral molestation and uh, edible six-year-olds and, you know, just just random scary clown did, shit. Did you say edible six-year-olds or <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know how old the kid was, but somewhere around that age, uh, that, that kid gets eaten. There's a lot of questionable, like, themes that are in the book that don't get explored in the movie, but they're sidestep in a respecting way to the original novel but also realistic of like, yeah, it's not the 1970s anymore. That shit's not going to play up on screen. Uh, it's not going to work with today's audience and it shouldn't work with today's audience. But the interaction of the kids and the actors who played the kids was impeccable. It was just fantastic. And I mean, from every point of it, from the the writing to the, the kids acting. Now, a lot of people are making comments about uh, Finn, who, who's on Stranger Things. And he plays a very different character in this than he does from Stranger Things. Like in this, he's really the comic relief kid. Um, but they're all pretty funny in their own ways. But all the kids held their own in this, I think. You know, there are some that don't get explored as much, either due to circumstance of the story or just in general. It's like they're not the the leaders of the group. They're not the, the ones who are going to be at the forefront of things. But it's still overall, it is such an incredibly driving a uh, relationship pack film you you love these kids you you feel connection to them as far as being a horror movie i i saw a pretty not impressed review and i don't know i agreed with it completely but basically what the person said it was that it's not scary i, th- I think i saw a couple of people say that it's not scary it's scary in a way but it's not scary in the sense like if you're a horror movie fan you've you've seen these things before because a lot of these things started with Stephen King doing the book in the 70s and then wound up being everywhere else. You know, the, the scary clown thing really started with it. People weren't scared of clowns before that. But you, you might have seen a lot of this stuff happen in other films since then. Kind of like we talked about with John Carter of Mars. The John Carter movie comes out and it's like, oh, nobody really was impressed with John Carter because they've seen all this shit before. Yeah, you've seen all this shit because it ripped off John Carter. But OK, I get that. 
but when it comes to the scares of this, when it comes to the creature that is it, um, and how it's scaring these children, it feels authentic to how children's fears would be played upon, not adults. You know, what scares you as a kid is not what scares you as a grown-up. And I think that's something that people aren't really catching in, in these reviews in particular. Because I'm not afraid of of clowns like I would have been as a kid. It's it's still scary. It's still frightening to see it. And because the clown is not really a clown, it's scarier still. But it's not as impressive because I've seen fucking killer clowns from outer space. You know, it, it, they kill people, but they're funny. I, I've, I've lived through the credit Kruger years, uh, like all these things that used to scare me as a kid. What am I afraid of now? A uh, fucking mortgage company. Uh, fucking Equifax getting hacked, those kinds of things. Uh, it's it's a different world for me. Um, you make it show up in the next film with the adults and it's somebody from the IRS, I'll fucking scream my fucking ass off and, and piss and run away hoping that you trip on my piss. I think it's authentic. I think what the movie really is, and I wasn't expecting it to be, is very authentic. There There's such a great amount of humor to it that I also wasn't expecting. Like, honestly funny, but I... I also loved that it was a complete story. And in comparison to the book, as I understand it, the book intertwines the kid story with the adult story. The movie doesn't do that. I don't remember the miniseries doing that that much either. You see the kids come back in the second part, but the first part was really about the kids more. We don't know who's going to play the adults in this. I think that part of this was that they weren't expecting 100% if they were going to get to make the second chapter. So in the movie, you know nothing about the fact that this is a part one until the very end when they start to do the the closing credits, they say it chapter one. And then people are like, oh, you know, there were people who were definitely surprised by that in the theater when I went. Like, I can certainly see people would expect after the, the movie's success uh, this weekend in particular that there might be a sequel. But I don't know that they knew that it was going to be automatically. There's a second chapter of this already announced in the film because they might not be familiar with the, like I said, the book or the miniseries from before. This movie stands 100% on its own. It is a complete story. It is a great story. Is it the, the, the darkest horror film? No. But it's a really good horror film, especially if you're that age. The only problem is, if you're that age, there are some themes and definitely some language that may not be appropriate. So this is a parent's... Be aware of what this film is. Maybe watch it first to decide if your kid should watch it and then watch it with them. But five or six is way too young, in my opinion. Yeah. Although I would have watched it at five or six and had piss fucking nightmares for sure. Rubber <laughs> shoots on the bed. I'm, I'm like all about that. So my question for you then is, does it drop more or less F-bombs than you did in the last news story? Or this news story, two news stories ago where... <laughs> I, I gotta say, uh, Finn has a good game. It's a good game. It, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fuck off uh, between the two of us. Like if we were both dropping f bombs, it, it's a fuck off. I don't know who would win, but it would be damn interesting. To watch There's some good volleys gonna happen in that fuck off. <laughs> All right. So my, um, and I, I haven't seen it, so I couldn't. To, I couldn't interject anything myself. So, and that's partially because I'm not huge on horror movies, but like it is one of those movies that I would probably would see. But like, like I said, I think I said it in pre show at home on Netflix with the lights on, you know, in, in the middle of the day, just so it's like I'm like, there's no chance that the little kid that is still is inside my head will not then take over and be like, all right, I am not taking a shower or, you know, any of the horror movies. Like, 
thank God I'm in, I'm in a one story house with no basement, no upstairs because like half the stuff, like from the commercials, like there's the kid going down the stairs and the, the little kids going, come play with me, come play with me. And then the clown comes up and like, ha ha, good thing I don't got to deal with that shit. It, it, you have to kind house. of be able to handle some jump scares, but that's, yeah. that's all they are. And, and knowing that going in prepares you for it. And, and again, I'm coming at this from a guy who, who watches and reviews horror movies every week um, and did for a couple of years and, and am a horror movie person. Anyways, I, I can definitely say if you don't enjoy that kind of movie, then it might be a little tough, but there is so much else in this movie that I think that you would really like yeah. that. I, I think you should push yourself. Yeah. And I, I think that you will wind up enjoying it a lot more than you'll be freaked out by it. Yeah. Again, like I said, probably won't see it in theaters because, again, especially if I tell, tell my friends hey, I'm going to see it, and they're like, oh, can we come? I'm like, fuck no, fucker. I know you're going to mess with me. Beat's asking if <laughs> Beat is asking, does it beat Stand By Me? I, obviously, I grew up with Stand By Me. I grew up with, uh, I'm, I'm kind of named after Corey Feldman in a way. Will Wheaton and. Well, d- well darling, um, darling, will you just stand by me? Yeah. <laughs> other than that song i really like stand by me a lot uh what it's so familiar to what stand by me is and and yeah. and like i was implying the sandlot stand by me was an r-rated movie and so a bunch of kids would want to see something like stand by me but it wasn't really meant for kids but then they did the sandlot and the Sandlot is like a family-friendly version of Stand By Me with a, a different backdrop, a different theme, but the kids and the way they all act around each other was very similar. It was similarly done. This is, again, like more of that. I can't remember if Stand By Me was written before it, it or not, but you can see, especially with Steve, Stephen King's writing, he follows the same themes a lot. He does the same things over and over again. There's always somebody in his stories who's a fucking writer. I hope he doesn't shit the the bed on the ending in this like he does in everything else. But at this point in time, I enjoyed this more, but it's also new. It's new to me. And I've I've kind of got stand by me played out in my lifetime. I've I've seen it enough times. It's very good, but this was good in in new ways. And that newness may make it feel more exciting at this point it also helps that it's not a complete sausage fest although it's close uh there is a female lead in this which stand by me does not really have uh so it's just in that case it's just a boys movie which is absolutely fine this has a strong female character in some cases she might be considered the strongest character i like that as well the the group dynamic is a little more varied than what Stand By, Stand By Me was because there were only four kids versus there's seven in the Losers Club, I think. And the, and the stakes are higher. The stakes are definitely higher. Stand By Me feels like it was written for people who who weren't going to be able to get through the 1,200-page tome that it was. Uh, so here's a short story that kind of like cuts a lot of the meat off of it and just gives you a basic thing. Oh, and uh, sorry, Care, uh, Garley Bear has uh, Stand By Me, a.k.a. The Body, which is a novella it was based off of, was from 82 it was in released in 86 was it released in 86 i thought it was earlier than that hmm. that's according to growly i'm just like i looked through the chat and i saw that i'm like oh okay cool um i will relay those yeah he's right okay and that i guess kind of makes sense too is 
you write a short story and then you enjoy the short story and you want to expand on it and make an actual book, uh, a novel out of it and explore those themes further and do something slightly different with it. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. All right. My uh, show that I've watched is um, one that actually Evan was asking if anyone had seen because he was curious if we were going to talk about it. And this, and I have, and it is the Orville. Now, this is the new Seth MacFarlane live-action homage to Star Wars or not Star Wars, Star Trek. I've got to say that I enjoyed the Orville. I think the casting is brilliant here with this. There's not really a person who seems to fuck it up in here. Well, with with the exceptions of one of the times where they do fuck things up, but it the pilot does suffer a little bit of pilotitis, especially with. Seth MacFarlane and Adrian Palicki's characters. They play ex-husband and wife. You start the show with Seth walking in on her with this blue alien in their bed who is, I think, blowing her. And I don't know, there's like a little bit, it's a little bit of a funny moment there where she's like, oh, honey. And then he blew, like, apparently he, he orgasms from his face or something. And so he walks out and a year later, he's captain, he's becomes the commander of a ship. And she signs on to request to be his first mate. And the awkwardness between the two of them, it's really fun, really fun, really clever. It only really suffers from the pilotitis at the end when they're wrapping things up. Because in the beginning, it just seems like, or, you know, while you're watching all the events happen um, from this, like, almost like a fucked up version of a Star Trek crew. It, it, once they get done with the mission, then it's like, Oh well, I said I was only going to be on for this. Then we'll find just oh, a new first mate. Well, here's this guy. He's really good. I think you should. I, th- I think he'd be a good fit for you. No, why don't you stay on? Ugh, stupid pilotitis. I oh, did, did you see this? I, I watched it last night. I, I definitely felt that there was an an air of pilotitis. My criticisms of it lean more towards. It's not sure what it's supposed to be. Yeah. And and I think that it's been pitched very hard as being like the next Galaxy Quest. It's been pitched very hard that it is a spoof of Star Trek. I don't know that they went in either of those directions far enough. If it's supposed yeah. to be those things, it's not really funny. I, I was surprised at how limited the banter humor was in like, was it actually funny? Like there's a scene where they're talking to somebody and in the background there's a dog licking itself <laughs> and and the whole scene is like you can't help but notice a dog licking itself but then they have the two characters comment on did you see the dog licking itself it's all i could look at and that seems like it should be funny and in family guy or american dad they would do it to make it funny they would be able to film it that way i don't know that the humor passes off in live action the same way there's something in the way that seth writes that for animation works pretty well to awesome like at the height of its its goodness both family guy and american dad were great shows we're, we're well past that height now with both of those programs although i still like american dad more but i i think when he goes to live action something doesn't quite click and in this show it's like there are moments that are supposed to be tense from the sci-fi aspect that could probably be a pretty good attempt at a science fiction show of of a starfleet type thing but then all of a sudden they try to insert banter and like oh we're talking to the alien that's trying to kill us let's bring up our wedding woes 
yet again. <laughs> and it just felt so forced and bullshitty. Yeah. And it, and it wasn't even like they were doing a good job of saying, oh, we're just doing it so we can distract him. It's like, it really was like somebody cut in the scene of like, we need to punch this up and make it funny. Like, I don't know if someone was like, we're going to make the sci-fi show and it's going to be a serious sci-fi show. And if it was McFarlane himself and then someone else said, but it's a Seth McFarlane show, you have to make it funny, right? Oh, no, I wasn't really planning on doing that. Well, you got to, you got, people have expectations of you on the show. And and your smarmy ass can't be up there on screen and not make jokes because otherwise people are just going to fucking hate you because you look like Peter Brady with a <laughs> fucking stick up his own ass. Uh, and I love Seth McFarlane in, in context, but I don't really love the, you know, whatever. It just, it really felt like it didn't know how to be funny and it didn't know how to be a sci-fi show that was its own sci-fi show. And so it fell somewhere in a mushy middle where everything got mixed together and it's not like corn and mashed potatoes where they mix together and it tastes really good. It was like brownies and beef stew. But they were shitty brownies and it was kind of like rancid beef in the beef stew. Then neither of them would have even stood up well enough on their own. Yeah, I, I didn't mind it. I mean, I did feel like they were trying to go a little bit more serious. And, and I could see the point of like Seth was trying to do. Gosh, I, I don't even know how if I, th- I think he was trying to go more Star Trek at first. And then they're like, well, wait, you're Seth MacFarlane because he did create this. Um, I believe he wrote the pilot or he was one of the writers on the pilot. Um, and then John Favreau directed it. So there were a couple scenes in there that I, I could pick out, you know, that you, you're like, oh, my God, that's true. That you seem like they were just punching up the stuff. I was just glad for a Seth MacFarlane show that didn't rely on cutaway gags. So, I mean, there is that. Um, yeah, but Beats asked, remember, remember he did Dad's too and if that was i can't remember that's exactly the name of it but that was his one of his other live action shows that he wasn't actually in but the humor of that didn't land at all either and this wasn't quite that bad but again that show was going strictly for laughs and this show goes through like we're in the middle of a tense situation here's an uncomfortable joke back to tense situation here's a, a joke just to give up the appearance that we're still funny the like Scott Grimes is in this, and Scott Grimes plays Steve Smith, but Scott Grimes also is a very talented actor. You can go back to Critters, which is one of my favorite fucking horror movies, but when he was on ER and everything, he's got a lot of experience, but he's an honestly very funny guy, and the material they gave him was just shit. And then the the whole, like, I'm... What is it? I'm chasing the donkey or whatever the fucking move that he's doing the whole time. It, like, yeah. it can deflated the space battle scene that we were supposed to have it was a stupid fucking joke at the same time so it did absolutely nothing and then we're supposed to feel tension when the the away ship is supposed to be trying to get back on there we felt no tension the entire time that they were fighting it's like oh our shields are completely down now so this entire thing that you're doing of like we're gonna just chase around the fucking bigger ship and just like keep avoiding it and we're not even firing has worked out to do nothing it just really it wasn't plotted well to be a good sci-fi show at that point. It really left me with a sense of this is a huge misfire. Now, again, this is the first episode. There is that. But I also think there might be some hidden motives between that because it's a question that beat asked earlier. So do you think Seth has enough clout to survive the Fox X? If you look at any sci-fi show that's been on Fox, it doesn't usually last more than a season, you know, maybe two. 
and there are some outliers on that but it's one of these like you set it in this mushy middle between the two between you know like this like a hard sci-fi or a comedy strictly like comedy set in space and then you you can determine then which way you're going to lean i think that could be what they're doing here no it because and it is a risk because you know it's going to turn off a lot of people like it has but well, I, think, I, th- I just want to say i think also the problem is is that we had galaxy quest and galaxy quest was phenomenal and this show came out at a time when we were kind of anticipating up until very recently that we were going to get another galaxy quest and then alan rickman passed away suddenly and so it put a pall over that entire thing and then there was still rumors that galaxy quest might come in as a tv program either like a next generation thing or something else and then we started seeing advertisements for the orville and thought well at least this is this is going to be the replacement for, for galaxy quest and in some way this is going to give us what uh, the promise of galaxy quest was and galaxy quest was really really good and this needed to land at least closer to that level but at the same thing i don't know if and beat and growly will have to do a little bit of research i don't think galaxy quest was a big box office hit i think it was definitely more of a cult hit movie well that's buddy that's star trek well yeah okay i know but it's so it's one of those things like here could this be a thing of are we are we discounting the orville before it hits before we know where it to where it could be really good you know like, like episode four or five or whatever could be really good and it you know it take off from there we just have to get through these, you know, first little proof of concepts things. But everyone's like, oh, no, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm done with that. I'm gonna go back to Walking Dead or, you know, whatever TV show that's been on for eight years and they know is safe. Sort of like sort of thing. Beat is saying Galaxy Quest made 71 million. I'm seeing that it made 90.7 million. Now, that may be a difference between domestic versus worldwide. So 91 yeah. million approximately worldwide in 1999. Now, how that stacks up and to other films was, of that year, I'm not sure. And what was their, do you, do you know what their budget was? Because that would be a big part. Like, if their budget was 50 mil, then it's then it's a success or something like that. Yeah, I'm not really sure. 45, uh, beat saying 45. So, yeah, so, yeah, okay. It, so, it was it was a success in theaters um, nationwide, you know, because where it almost made double its money, you, you know, back. But I don't know. I'm, maybe it's just because I'm an optimist, you know, I'm when it comes to TV, I'm willing to sit through stuff until I'm just like, you know, I'm done with it. You know, some and some of the shows are really, really quick for that to happen. Gotham, I think it was four episodes, like four or five episodes. And I was like, I'm out. This isn't for me. This isn't what you promised me when you, you did all the advertising. So bye. I enjoyed I would, the show. I honestly, I would give it a second episode. Yeah. Like, like I'm watching again. You know, I'll go further. I'm probably going to give it five, maybe six episodes because there was enough stuff there. And in all honesty, if this replaces Family Guy and it won't replace Simpsons, but, you know, if it'll do something with that Sunday animation domination, whatever the fuck they're going to call that time slot, I'm more than happy. I'll, I'll tell you right now, I would much rather see the Orville than any new Family Guy episodes. Uh, it, it's kind of, I'm not loving Family Guy and have him for the last couple of years, but it's still... Every once in a while, it can still pull off a funny episode, and it's it's a bit more comforting. It's it's a comfort thing. It's a I'm familiar with it, and so it's easy to get into it. Plus, the fact that it's animated, they can do more ridiculous things. I do want to say the quality of this show 
like the alien design and the costumes and everything mm-hmm. looks really good. And that's kind of the, the, the bummer is that you can see that there is a lot put into this, but one, it feels too long in an hour. It, it just seems yeah. like an hour is, is not necessary uh, because we get repeated things like the, the interaction between uh, Scott Grimes as Gordon and Adrian Palicki as Kelly. The whole scene of them out in the hallway and, and he's like, oh yeah, I was just telling the gang about you and saying all these nice things about you. That whole scene just seemed so unnecessary. Didn't add anything to either the plot or it, it just kind of restated stuff. It was like when they they had the addition of Jabba the Hutt in the recut version of Star Wars of A New Hope and it's like, Hey, I'm going to tell you all the stuff that was just said in the last fucking scene over again. Except now you get to see Jabba the Hutt walking around. Uh, in this case, Jabba the Hutt was Scott Grimes. <laughs> it just it it's it felt so tacked on and like because we have to hit our hour, yeah. and that was there was a little bit too much of that. So I I wish it was shorter. And I just I don't know. I I I hope that it finds its voice because there are some very good people on it, and and there's something there that I think could be built on. I just hope that they've got the right people behind the scenes to hone in on that. Yeah. I will I will also point out that from seeing the trailers and see, you know when it first came out, I was completely like, "Oh, poo 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 poo" on it and the pilot won me over. So it it, it all honestly probably did its job. Yeah, my expectations um, were probably higher than yours going in, and so I had yeah. to lower them and your expectations were low going in and it heightened them. Yeah, because I've been Oh, gosh, how many seasons is Family Guy on? No, oh, I don't know. Like, like 12 or something? Like, I think I've been around the same time as The Simpsons, where, you know, it's like since we've been doing this, you know, this podcast stuff together, where I've been like, just, nope, not a fan of American Dad. Like, Cleveland Show was the last one that I really liked and was sad to see that go. But, and it's when I was like, now it's just like, ah, I'm sort of done. 16. We're going under the 16th season of Family Guy. Because remember, so, it had that. Lengthy break. I so I probably honestly have about nine, maybe ten years, ten seasons or so. It seems like it's it's been a long time since I've really sat down and watched week after week Family Guy. Like that's usually the show. Like I'm like, all right, American Dad's Dad's on next. All right, what, what's on Disney Channel that I that I can watch for a half hour? All right, I'm gonna watch that. All right, the show's over. Okay, turn back. It's time for American Dad or not American Dad. Uh, Bob's Burgers. Yeah, Bob's Burgers kind of crushes all of them. <laughs> That is going to do it for the Else Views, and we will be right back. Hi. Hello. (sighs) Making a promo is hard. Hey, this is Brad Ludwig from the Adventure Party Podcast. Every Sunday, we talk about board games, card games, role-playing games, reindeer games. Co-host, friend, game designer, and gaming store manager Glenn Bittner reviews a game each week and recommends something to add to your library or game closet setup thing. Our Kickstarter spotlight shines on a game you should back with your hard-earned cash. We've picked successfully backed projects about 95% of the time. I really thought that airport board game from Russia was going to fly. I shot that percentage right in the We also chat with people who work in the game industry, or we pick an important topic that deals with some aspect of gaming. We welcome you to the Adventure Party. And we are back, and it is time for the Else Words. This is our big discussion topic part of the show, and this is all about the Amazon. 
We're going to talk about the rainforest, folks. We're going to talk about Wonder Woman again? Oh, sorry. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no. So Jeff Bezos is really pushing the the programming for the Amazon Prime videos, which you know is needed because I mean, as an Amazon Prime customer, a Hulu subscriber, a Netflix subscriber, I really only will go to Amazon for movies that are not available on the other two you know a lot of those movies are on hulu are on netflix so it's like well if i want to watch it you know okay i'm gonna go over here or uh, it's the only other thing would be 4k that'd be the only other thing i would go to amazon for because they've got the third star trek movie in 4k and a few other things but then other than that it's a lot of the original stuff and the mandate from jeff bezos is clear bring him game of thrones um, he doesn't mean literally, he means, you know, that style of movie or that style of appointment viewing programming. And I, I thought he was just going to have Peter Dinklage chained up to him like salacious crumb. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I know I drink a lot and I know things. That is all I am. That, all that's I not a, that's not a, that's not a short joke, Peter. That's a, that's a slave joke, which I'm sure is all the better <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> today's world so uh please send all hate mail to Corey. um but no so this is coming off of friday where amazon confirmed five new projects um series green lights for a period drama from paul etanazio and uh wong kar wai and a comedy starring fred armison and maya rudolph two comedy pilots and a seth rogan produced comic book adaptation called the boys i that's the boys. A, a straight to series order so Corey, uh, the boys. First of all, I, I somewhere in here I have some original art by Derek Robertson, who uh, is co-creator on the boys with Garth Ennis, who you might know uh, from Preacher. Boys is a kind of dark take on people with superpowers who are so into themselves as superheroes that they forget how to deal with the humanity that they're supposed to be saving. And so the boys is a group that kind of keeps them in check. And uh, it's, it's a deconstruction of superhero comics to the point of like introducing characters that are takes on Stan Lee and Jack Kirby and a bunch of other stuff. And it's very foul and very rude. And one of the main characters basically looks like the guy from Shaun of the Dead and, and intentionally, but really great stuff. And would be one of those shows that I would consider subscribing to Amazon for if it became a part of it. But here's the thing. I'm Jeff Bezos. I say I want a Game of Thrones. You know what, Jeff? Everybody fucking wants a Game of Thrones. And everybody wants a fucking Walking Dead. And if it was that easy to fucking have one, we'd all have them. Uh, I want a 10-inch penis. Do you know why? Because 12 inches is just too heavy. And I need to cut that (laughs) shit down. But it's like... Look, you can say that you want something, but you have to actually fucking make it happen and you need to get the right people involved and you need to do the other things. And even then, you could have like all of the fucking crafted gold workmanship that it goes into making it, but you can't predict that people are actually going to watch. You can't just assume that even if you had it, even if you had Game of Thrones itself, that people are automatically going to be drawn over to your service to see it. And sometimes it takes time in the first season of game of thrones as good as it was it took longer for it to become the obsession of people uh but walking dead took longer to become the obsession of people than it is 
but here's here's where I think they're getting at because um, we've got two articles in here. Um, one of them is hitting on more of the TV shows. What he's wanting is, you know, he's wanting to focus in because for the longest time, Amazon Prime has been known as, oh, that thing that Transparent airs on. You know, that's the only original program that they've really had that has won them awards, that has brought them, you know, this big consideration. And it's a great show to have that be your thing that people state about you. Yeah. Oh, man, I love Amazon because Transparent is so good. But what that says is I love Amazon for something. Yes. And that's a big deal. Here's the thing, though. Transparent does not air, you know, does not release stuff all the time. Right. So... You like I feel like this is more of a hit for the eight ninety nine Amazon Prime video subscribers as opposed to the hundred dollar, you know, set it and forget it prime membership people like myself that we go, Oh, well, you know, I get the, you know, Twitch Prime and you know, I get two day shipping and all these other things. So I'm good with this. And then occasionally, you know, when they bring in, you know, the grand tour or they have these other little things that might interest me, like the tick. The tick has been one of the things that I've been getting into. And so it's this thing, like, they're they're trying to do this. So, like, one of the shows that I mentioned with uh, Paul Etanazio is called Tong Wars. It's an hour-long drama um, that he's going to be writing and executive producing. It's set in the, the 19th century San Francisco and tells a story spanning significant period of time about Chinese immigrants and the clashes between organized crime families in the city's Chinatown. It's one of these things like they're doing all these things with these people to get that next house of cards, that next transparent, that next big thing that's going to get people thinking about Amazon. Yeah, um, but the- but here's 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 the problem is that they're also canceling things very very quickly. This the show Z, the when is that the Christina Ricci one, the Ella Fitzgerald? thing or yeah. i don't remember what it was about they're, they're canceling a bunch of stuff at the same time that they're announcing these new shows you're hoping that one of these shows is going to be your next big hit but when i got not i mean it's a little ridiculous because when i subscribed to netflix it was still dvds and they didn't have an original content and then it was streaming and they didn't have an original content then they got original content it's like oh some of this original content is actually pretty good but when i'm done watching house of cards and when i'm done watching stranger things which is a show that is certainly a I have to subscribe for at least that one program. The reason that I stick to watching Netflix is because of the amount of other things that might catch my eye. It's You can't just hinge on one or two shows that might be the magic give you shows because that's what Transparent already is for them. You have to have enough things that can be interesting to other people on top of that. And it's it's not all going to be the giant be-all show. Some of it's going to be a lot of dribble. But some people Wait. like drivel. That's why Adam Sandler movies was the right investment for Netflix, even though I fucking hate them and I think they're yep. shit. And I, I, I kind of think, well, uh, aim a little fucking higher next time. Or the Richie Rich show, or mysteriously One Day at a Time, which I hear is actually really good. But nobody would have thought fucking One Day at a Time is going to be the show that's going to be a takeoff for them. And it's not really. It's not like a ton of people are watching it, but it is for the people who do enjoy it. The next thing that they click over to. Fuller House, the next thing I click over to. it's You've got to have a mass of stuff. And yeah, from that mass, you're going to have the stuff that floats to the top, and you're going to have the stuff that kind of sinks to the bottom. And when it's a real sinker, that's when you let it go. But you can't just say, I'm going to hone in and find the next perfect show or the next three perfect shows. It's like, no, you've got to have like 50 shows 
and a bunch of other content to make people want to keep subscribing to your your stuff. So what I'm hearing from you is you have a problem with Jeff Bezos saying he wants to find the next Game of Thrones. I have a problem with him thinking that it's that easy. And I have a problem with him thinking that that's going to be what gets people to subscribe to his service. Now, fucking Amazon doesn't need any of that because you subscribe to Amazon service already because of Prime. You subscribe to it for a whole bunch of other reasons. And that's already kind of what he does. That mentality is what he needs to have in the Prime video. Because Prime, he just keeps adding more and more stuff to it. Oh, uh, you don't really care about the two-day shipping? Well, here's your fucking music service. Oh, you don't care about the music service? Well, here's your fucking books service. Or here's your streaming video service. Or here's this other thing. It's like there's all these benefits that they keep adding to Prime. Yeah, they're losing money on it. But Bezos doesn't give a fuck about losing money. Bezos just wants people to keep subscribing. And at some th- point, they'll catch up with those things. I think B has has hit this point on the head. Because where you're looking at it in the, oh, he's just he's saying this because he wants this thing. B, I think B puts it pretty good. He wants the next Benioffs and uh, and Sarandos. Like he wants those people that you know. You look at this story that they're telling with Game of Thrones, and you know it's DB Weiss and David Benioff doing it, where they can send, they can do, sell HBO anything they want. You mean the the guys who are trying to pitch the series about what if? never ended and is going to blow up in HBO's fucking face before it ever even comes out. Yes, but the point <laughs> is, I feel, I think they're trying to do this because they're trying to do what you're yelling at them for the, trying to do. They're trying to get these shows that are going to bring people in. You know, like, they've already got a, a two-season or, uh, order for Amy Sherman Palladino's The Marvelous Miss Maisel, which is one of the shows from their last pilot season that I fucking loved. You know, and they're going, okay, boom two seasons they got john krasinski he led adaptation of tom clancy's jack ryan from carlton cuse they've got all these they've got a david o russell's untitled crime drama starring robert de niro and julianne moore let me say that again david o russell untitled crime drama starring robert fucking de niro and julianne goddamn moore yeah robert fucking de niro bad grandpa robert fucking (laughs) de niro the sequels to uh fucking meet the fuckers and shit Robert fucking De Niro is not the name that he used to be. Like, there's a time when Robert De Niro was the guy. He's been not the guy for a long time. But crime drama. Usually we we think of that. You're thinking... Think of the last few Scorsese films that De Niro was in. Like, not the early shit. not, Not fucking The Godfather. Not Goodfellas. Think about stuff after Casino. It, it's it's like, yeah, that's that's like getting Stallone to play Rocky now, which... Okay. But at, in the ring, not coaching Creed. <laughs> I'm, okay, no, here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to counter this with something that you, not 10 minutes ago, just was, was just excited about. What about Seth Rogen and, and Evan Goldberg? Hey, hey you know and, what? I like Seth Rogen on Preacher. And then he also does things like that fucking hot dog movie. None of these are perfect. And I, again, I'm not saying that bringing in this stuff isn't a good idea. What I'm saying is he's canceling a bunch of other shit to bring in this stuff, which doesn't fill he, me with belief that this stuff is going to last past the two seasons that they pre-sold. Here's here's the thing. The Z movie that or Z TV series that you're bringing up that starred Christina Ricci, uh, what was it? Uh, Z, the th- something about everything or something like that. It's one that you see on there and it goes away. Let's keep in mind that the first thing out of their whole pilot season that took off out of the very first pilot season 
has not seen a season three. They got two seasons out of it because because no because no one was watching it. Right, because nobody was interested in their service to begin with. You've already just said that you go to Amazon last. I said that myself because I am still it's still one of those things where I am trying to find the thing. I feel like the app needs to be there needs to be better search. Like right. I I'm the same way. Like today I went from or, or don't I, confuse me by having free movies except also paid movies. True. But here's the thing. I went from five to six today because I had a day off. So I was just sitting, I was doing a like reading comic books and watching TV and stuff like that. I went from Hulu watching uh, better things. I watched the first two episodes of better things on FX. Then I went to Pluto TV because I remembered TNA wrestling has this or global force wrestling, whatever has a, has a channel in there. So let's flip through and I was looking at that and I'm like, okay, a pay-per-view from, you know, when I graduated high school, all right, watching a little bit of that flipped to something else like ADD kicked in so hard went to Netflix was flipping through that watched an episode of Bojack Horseman went to Amazon Prime was flipping through actually no Amazon Prime was first today with a uh, documentary called Sound City that was directed by Dave Grohl I lost a little bit of interest in that because I'm like I don't want to really want I don't feel like watching a documentary right now so I'm flipping through and I'm like well I can watch what we do in the shadows again mockumentary not documentary so it's separate in my mind My, my brain is weird like that and then going through all these things, and I'm like, okay, there's nothing. Watched, watch the tick. I watched, you know, another episode of the tick, and then went and watched Comcast. Right. And here's and here's where here's where it is. This is what I'm saying. You're in Amazon already. Mm-hmm. It couldn't keep your attention. You couldn't find something else in Amazon that you wanted to watch, and that's Neither could Netflix. But that's that's kind of a problem itself with with us as viewers because we want to jump. From, from one thing to the next, and, and it's harder to find something to watch than it is to just leave it on. That's why cable, again, still works for me. So I turn on the TV, and it's real easy for me to find something to be up on the screen. But when I'm trying to, like, oh, I'm going to stream something, I have to kind of dedicate myself to it a little bit more. Yep. But that's here, here to there. What I'm saying is that if you get people onto your service and you get them for that one or two big things, but then you can't keep them in your service, that's what Facebook does. Facebook yeah. gets you in on Facebook and then they just like never let you go. They get you by the short hairs and they keep you there. And that's what Amazon needs to do. And that's what they do with their shopping experience. It's like, oh, I'll just go to Amazon. Everything I need is here in Amazon. That is what Amazon has always done. So to not apply that to their video service is where I see the issue. And starting shows and stopping shows doesn't give you faith that the shows that you want to watch the next time are going to be there. That's the Fox effect. That's the, I don't want to watch another fucking sci-fi show on Fox because Fox fucks up sci-fi shows. So screw them. I'm never going to watch their fucking bullshit again after they did stuff with Almost Human to Me. It's the same issue. If you can't dedicate yourself to something and actually nurture it, that means you didn't really believe in it in the first place or you make bad decisions. So, so you made bad decisions and keep canceling out on them, and then we make good decisions. And he's saying, he says Z's a good show. It wasn't as compelling as this fucking dragon that we're chasing that is Game of Thrones, because Game of Thrones exists somewhere, just not here. All right, fine. Then go chase your fucking dragon. But I am going to look elsewhere to companies that actually put faith in these programs for the longer haul. And yes, I, I understand. I love Sensei, and Sensei didn't last very long. But you know what they are doing? 
is they're giving it a fucking movie to finish it off at least. That's a little more faith than what Fox does, and that's a little more faith than what it seems Amazon is doing. Is is that more faith, or is that the fact that when they announced that they were canceling Sensei after the second season, that fans raged? No, I mean that's faith from the fans towards them because they are giving us that. Okay, yeah, I have more faith in Netflix to. at this point. They didn't have to, but they did it, and that's a difference. You know, it's it's if I am looking to have a series and I want to get to a series ending point as opposed to having it leave me fucking high and dry and blue balled, you know, and I, I'm dealing with fucking terriers. It, it showed that I knew going in was never going to get a, a second season. I watched it years later and yet I still love the show and I wish it would have finished. You know, I don't have the fucking 30 years to wait for it to come back Twin Peaks style. I don't have the fucking time to to just keep investing in shows that the people who make them don't give a fuck about anymore. It's, it's so a problem. Like, I would like to watch Pushing Daisies, but it's going to be really unsatisfying when I get to the end of the second season of Pushing Daisies, knowing again that it ended prematurely and is never going to come back. The fact that Hannibal might come back is a very compelling thing for what was otherwise a great show. But it's still upsetting when you get to the end and you don't get a satisfying ending. So Netflix saying, hey, we hear you. We're going to give you a satisfying ending because it's going to keep you watching our programming overall. You're going to be here to see the end of Sense8. And then here's all this other stuff that we also have. But when, you, you're, when you're the new person who's never grow. seen Sense8 before, when you're when you like, what's Sense8? I've never heard of this. And you sit through the two seasons of the movie. At least at the end, you get something that's done. That's a big deal that's why they invest in five seasons at a show at a time that's why they they decide to continue things like the killing so that the killing actually gets to have a satisfying ending because people are already watching the killing on their fucking service but it's like well i get to the end of season two on the killing and then it goes away i get to the end of season three of longmar and then it goes away no we're going to give you the endings to those things so that it will feel like hey i want to go and rewatch the entire series of longmire again and when I'm done, I get a satisfying conclusion as opposed, as opposed to feeling pissed off because it never finished. That's a different viewpoint that I think Netflix does well and I think Amazon could learn from. Okay, yeah. That's all true. I'm saying. No, true. But there's, I, I, think, I think there's a slight problem with this that you have with getting at Jeff Bezos for canceling Z, whatever the subtitle of the movie or that TV show was. And I have no fucking idea what z is even about so my interest in it couldn't be lower it's like from reading and this is from reading the article because this is one of those things that i've seen you know like through going through i'm like i i could check it out but i don't want to but it's about zelda fitzgerald um f scott fitzgerald's wife right in the 1920s and all that stuff totally not a show that i would be interested in yeah but it's the example yeah exactly i look at other shows that are uh, that are coming out that i'm like okay these are shows that i could get behind you know the half hour untitled single camera comedy from universal television starring fred armison and maya rudolph that is also executive produced they're also executive producing and writing alongside creators alan yang did a show over at netflix you might have heard of called master of none and matt hubbard oh i still haven't seen master of none so i have no way of referencing whether or not i'd enjoy it that right there tells me, okay, yes, that's great. That's a great program. You got upload a single cam, com, single camera half hour comedy set in the future and hailing from Office creator Greg Daniels. It's received a pilot. 
There's Making Friends, another half-hour series comedy from How I Met Your Mother creators Carter Bays and Craig Thomas. Also, Making Friends will be Amazon's first multi-camera comedy. So this is Amazon striking out into all these areas that you're wanting. So no. they're hitting one. No, again, the shows that will get people in. These are shows that would maybe, get people in. maybe you again. You have to understand shows that you and I might be interested in does not necessarily mean that people will automatically go rushing over to Amazon to watch. Saying, I am not saying me and you. I I am not taking our. And I don't our, know that anybody else is either. It, I, it, I, it, the the three the three shows that I have named master that have people from doing other things the office little show that people have heard of that i i only have friends who watch it non-stop and they quote quote it i'm like i'm a nerd and i'm looking at you guys like you guys are fucking nerds from quoting the obscurest of office episodes carter Bates mm-hmm. and craig thomas where yes we have our our you know our hang-ups on how i met your mother a lot of people loved how i met your mother so you say yeah you know what creator. Netflix has? Netflix has a show that not only is is from people who did it, but stars now three. Boy, I fucking put fuzz in there. Three of the people from that <laughs> '70s show. You know, yeah. and and it's not a show that anybody is jumping up and down to go over to Netflix for. They're already in Netflix, so maybe they'll check it out because there's a bunch of people from that wait, '70s wait, show did, in it. Did is Wilmer Valderrama in the ranch? Yeah, he's in the second season apparently. Oh, okay. I was flipping through Netflix the other day, and all of a sudden, I see Buzz's fucking face up there. I'm like, "What the? Why do we still hire this guy? He's killed <laughs> more shows than Leah Remini has at this point." But whatever, it has to be enough to one get people's attention, but two keep them. And that's all I'm saying is you can bring in a bunch of talent and create a bunch of shows, but you have to keep people there. And this and. Is- what they're showing didn't they didn't they green light the second season of z and then cancel it they were like yeah there's gonna be a second season and then all of a sudden changed their minds on it because that's what i'm talking about no yeah and and i get that but the other part that you're talking about where they've got to get stuff there well they're doing step one they have no step one was four years ago when they started making shows like alpha house and and betas and all that stuff that was step one where are all those shows now now okay Early early Netflix shows, you, you don't hear a lot about the fucking Peaky Blinders and and all that other shit too. I, I know, I absolutely wait, wait, understand. Wait. Pe- Peaky Blinders was was later. Well, I don't remember what was earlier than that as far as their original content. Yeah, no, as far as I know, I think I I, I don't I don't know for sure, but I I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. But what I'm saying is, out of your two prong approach that you're saying, content that they that will bring people in, and then content to keep people there. They've right. got a little bit of that second step. That is the only place. Amazon is the only place you can find Mr. Robot. That is the only a, a place you can find somewhere else. It's not the only place you can find Mr. Robot when Mr. Robot is still playing on USA. No, no, no. But what I mean, binge it. Can you binge? Thank you. Evan, you Lily Hammer. On, yeah, Lily Hammer. That was an early one there. there that's you know. the one. Um, but that one, I think, was more because that's a co-production. That That gets a little bit confusing because that's a co-production with a norwegian television station right but streaming it online because yes yes i know you can do you can do a lot of these stuff on comcast you know watching the usa network or watching whatever tv channel that's out there but what do more people want streaming you know and if you can't Does USA watch, network not have their own streaming not not an app where you can do on demand every single episode of a show hmm. they, they have they have where you can do select shows like select episodes but not and they'll they'll do occasionally 
catch up from the beginnings when they're when you know season three or you know the, the new season is coming out they don't have the oh it's season three of you know orange is a new black or whatever just ended or wrapped up let's w- start here it, it just sounds to me like the same idea as i'm supposed to be excited that who was it hulu got seinfeld yeah hulu or no on that what you mean jerry seinfeld or the show seinfeld the show seinfeld hulu exclusive to hulu right and and how am i supposed to give a fuck i already don't like seinfeld but how am i supposed to give a fuck that they got seinfeld or that uh netflix has friends if they're on all the fucking time if there's never a moment where i can't turn on the fucking tv and see seinfeld or friends on there i get what you're saying and and certainly if i'm the person who's like i really do want to watch marathon watch seinfeld or i want to marathon watch friends and this is a convenient way to do it but those are things that are again bonuses for services that i'd already be in and that's a bigger one the big one right here doctor who where it's the only place you can watch doctor who and trust me there are people haha who will binge doctor who all the goddamn time absolutely and and they did that when it was on netflix right now that's yeah. not content that they own. That is a contract that they have for a period of time, and then it'll flip over to somewhere else again. But didn't you say content to keep them there? That's not. Yes. No, that's absolutely. Not that's absolutely. That is, What's that? That's not con- content to keep them to keep you there. That is not necessarily their own content. Right. That is the but in relation make. to that, and and that that is what I'm saying. That is what I'm. You're absolutely right. When I'm at Netflix, it's not about just the Netflix shows. It's about all the other stuff and those things come and go as contracts wane and and, and ebb and everything. But in the relationship of creating your own content, which Netflix is wholeheartedly invested in right now, they're trying to create more of their own content to keep people there, to make it constantly like you can't get these shows somewhere else. They know that not all of them have to play at a level of a house of cards or a Stranger Things, because not everybody wants that type of experience. Sometimes we want stuff that is just to relax to. Sometimes we want stuff we don't have to think too hard about. Sometimes we want stuff that is stimulating in other ways. And that's part of it. The other part of it is, do I trust them that if I get hooked onto a show, that I'm going to get a good experience the entire way through for that show? Meaning, does it have a beginning, middle, and end? Does it have more than just six episodes and then goes away. Unless it's like a miniseries, and I can accept the miniseries is what it is. But I, I think that Netflix is better about taking something and and giving it the time to grow. And yes, in the case of Sense8, as in, for instance, they realized that it wasn't going to be something that they were going to be able to continue with because the quality they felt was never going to reach what they wanted it to. But they still give it a satisfying ending. Uh, hopefully. I mean, uh, we'll see. I look at this and it comes to me like Bezos is in more of a panic than coming from a a point of strength. Now, if that panic gets him great shows that do get people more interested in going to the Amazon Prime subscription service, fantastic. But it sounds very desperate when you say, bring me Game of Thrones. That is such a fucking boardroom, non-creative thing to scream out. And and I'm not saying that's how he did it. And it's certainly, it's a great headline, but it just sounds like, that person over there is 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 making widgets. We need to make widgets too. Well, people are already buying widgets from them. Well, bring me something just as good as a widget that people also need. If I could create the fucking widget, you think I wouldn't have created it already? You know, well, see, we can't just do what they did. But here's here's the thing that I think he's getting at with this whole thing, with the whole 
Game of Thrones, you know, bring me Game of Thrones. Look at everyone that he's that that have signed deals to bring stuff to Amazon. Robert Kirkman, creator of a little series, both in the comic book world and TV world, that is totally dominating television, has the number one and number two ratings for cable for AMC with The Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead. How Fear the Walking Dead? I don't know. That's besides the point. That's right. the inter- inter- Fear the Walking Dead is because stuff. of name recognition of The Walking Dead. And yeah. look at Kirkman's other properties and see how any of them have done in comparison to the, the one hit. The other part, well, Outcast is is a hit over at, uh, what is it, Cinemax? It's done okay. It's certainly yeah. done okay. I enjoyed the first episode. But but he's, he's signed on here to create more stuff. Yeah. You've got... And, and when he um, has his second Walking Dead, I'll be impressed. Yeah. It's kind of like still, the Mark Miller thing. It's like, oh, great. We signed Mark Miller. You mean the guy whose properties are spread out like the fucking Big Bang? <laughs> I just, all right, sure. What'd you get? Scraps? Uh, <laughs> but no, what I'm saying here is he's gotten a whole bunch of people. I mean, he's got, you know, Fred Armisen, Seth Rogen. Yeah. They're all, they're all very good, talented things. people in their, their own rights. Absolutely. And every one of them may make excellent shows, or any one of them might make an okay show that still gets popular, or they might make crap. You, you don't know. You, you never know. And it could be, in some cases, it could be Breaking Bad that mm-hmm. is a very slow build to a great show. And so if it's a slow build to be a great show that suddenly becomes the giant hit, is Amazon going to give it the time to gestate and reach its full potential? Or are they going to say, oh, this didn't perform like we wanted to do at Game of Thrones level, so chuck it, move on to the next thing? Yeah. I don't know. We're, I don't think we're going to solve this today. No, we're absolutely all. not. Yeah, and, and, and props to the guy for, for, for trying to get creators involved. And, and yeah. absolutely. You know, I, I still say you're dicks for, for pitching the service and then having so much stuff that is still behind a fucking paywall. But I don't give a fuck because I'm not buying. I am. It's one of those. I, I look at stuff in the quality, but over the con- little bit over the convenience. With when it comes to like, I still need to finish Star Trek Beyond, but I think I'm going to do it in 4K just to see how it looks. Because I started it on Hulu and I'm like, eh, let's go away from Hulu. And plus, I did the whole hundred dollar set it forget it thing. But that is going to do it for the show this week. Real quick before we go. If you have any comments you want to leave us, you can send them to mail at elsnerds.com or you can leave us a voicemail at 805-328-3966. And you can follow our shows on the social networks all over at elsnerds. Um, just search for elsnerds wherever the social platform will be. And we might be there because we're not on Ello because who has time? We're thinking, I'm still getting, I'm getting emails from people who are on Ello. I'm like, who the fuck is on Ello? <laughs> Sorry, Sijag. And you can find the network on all these social networks, Facebook, Twitter, all that, at Galactic Netcasts. You can find the producers. Uh, Beatmaster is at Beatmaster80. Evan is at Mr. Underscore Fusion. Uh, you can find me at that Gregor. Sean at Esperance PA. Corey, where can people see the comics that you do with Levi? Uh, with one Levi? Oh, you can find them on Amazon. Oh, wait, no, I, I'm kidding. You can't. Uh, <laughs> you probably have to pay for them. <laughs> if you want to read them for free, you can go to don'taskcomics.com. And the final thing to be said is this has been a Don't Tell Glenn production. We'll see you next week. Or else Z will get canceled. Again.
For more on this Galactic Network podcast, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com.